Dan and Corey here, welcoming you into Libservant. The great fundamental issue now before our people. Yeah, welcome in. Oh, welcome in. What we started, a, at, we started at the right time, dude. What a time to start a show, Corey Walsh, as the second round of the Twitter files is being released as we speak. As uh, we speak. By the uh, the Queen Bee, Barry Weiss. We're going to be going through those live as the show goes through. Um, it's probably going to be, as Shane Murphy said, uh, <laughs> and I, in, in reply to one of the first two tweets from Barry, is this going to be like Taibi's thread with one tweet posted every five minutes for 30 plus tweets? My guess would probably be, yeah, it's going to be pretty much the same thing. Um, so that's obviously the big story of the day. If we get to any of this other stuff, Corey, I'll set up the other stuff we plan on talking about uh, tonight. Uh, basically how Russia and Ukraine has turned into toddlers fighting in a sandbox with nukes. Uh, the uh, and and the uh, the Supreme Court, not just the Supreme Court, but the courts in general, uh, back in the news for big reasons. That's probably going to cover uh, our entire show. But um, other than Joe Biden making the worst trade since the uh, Vikings traded for uh, Herschel Walker, what else is new, Corey Walsh? <laughs> uh, not much. You know, I'm com- the whole. It seems like almost everything that we had planned today is like ripped off the table. I'm over here <laughs> trying to look at, at these tweets that are popping up as we're trying to get this show started. I've uh, just finishing up this semester of school. Uh, been still diving deep into Mad Men, trying to finish that show up, and playing a shit ton of DMZ on Warzone Two. Um, I've already put in an embarrassing amount of hours into that game, <laughs> and. Oh, watched Michigan win back to back Big Ten champs. Yeah, go blue Saturday. Uh, other than that, I got some Russell's Reserve here, some ten year old bourbon. I got some uh, salted, some Pigeon Hill salted caramel porter. I'm ready to watch the shit show live, Dan. Mm, this is gonna be fun. This might be a long one. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm just drinking basically the dirtiest of martinis. If I have to skip out mid-show. So dirty. Before we hopped on the air, he was like spitting in it and stuff and like backwashing it and doing a bunch of weird stuff. I didn't even know. I did release release a solid round of diarrhea. Uh, I do have the squirts. I'm going to let the people know as they- It's in that cup. As they as they That's say, why it's a dirty as they say in the heartland, the runs. Uh, how do you, <laughs> you like to put it? I don't know what it is. It might have been the Vietnamese pho I had earlier today. Uh, I know that's racist. Uh, why? Why would you say the Asian food gave you diarrhea, Dan? Because I don't know. It's the only fucking thing know. he ate. You're the one making it racist, right? <laughs> oh man, he was eating. Were you eating bats from Wuhan? <laughs> uh, no, it's it actually delicious. A little place uh, placed on a road called Little Saigon. As that, of course, it's called Little Saigon, right? <laughs> dropped a little Saigon in the toilet, huh? Oh, man. So, obviously, uh, the puns, the big news. And honestly, this, this happened like right after we did last week's show. It seems like that's when these things happen. So, I'm glad we're live uh, as Barry's tweeting round two here. Um, the Twitter files. I, this is, I didn't even, I didn't want to be interested in this story. And the reason I didn't want to be interested in this is because it's, it's it's like weirdly a nothing burger, but also like super important at the same time, if that makes sense. And I think the reason <clears throat> we're calling it, uh, uh, here we go, the uh, journalism's most important nothing burger is because Matt Taibbi's first round of tweets regarding uh, Twitter's handling of the Hunter Biden story, which is essentially what this is all about, and uh, basically the uh, downgrading of it and... Um, basically making sure it's not disseminated too far uh, on Twitter. Uh, there was only so much they could do, but they did uh, try to silence this story. We, it, we already knew this. Like, this isn't... Nothing Matt Taibbi tweeted in that first round of Twitter Files tweets was really anything new. It was all... But the reason it was important is because 
we actually got to see the correspondence from these higher ups at Twitter regarding this. Um, yeah, it's finally some confirmation. Do you think it's a uh, a vindication for the crazies on the right wearing tinfoil hats? In a sense, no, no, I don't. And the reason for that is because uh, you can you can still see who these people are with regards to the way that they. Uh, respond to and talk about the Twitter files. It's it's automatically become like this weird legality issue where like somebody somebody's got to be thrown in prison for this. Somebody has to be thrown in jail for this. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. no, chill the fuck out. Uh, based on what we know so far, uh, Twitter doesn't appear to have committed any crimes. Okay. What they did was remarkably unethical, and the, you, you still have the people touting the free speech shit, which has been ridiculous. Up until this point, I'm going to give the free speech, uh, you know, the this free speech censorship people a little bit of credit now, simply because we have a little bit of confirmation that uh, Twitter was in cahoots with possibly the Democratic Party, but certainly the FBI. Um, the only, I, I'm hoping more comes out about the correspondence with the FBI, and we'll get into why maybe that hasn't happened yet. Uh, a, a, a gentleman named Jim Baker, <laughs> may, Baker. Have a, may have a little bit to do with that. Um, but so far, based on what we've seen, I, 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 I hesitate to think that... And, and, this is me playing devil's advocate. You, weirdly, Corey, you're probably going to want to throw up for what I'm about to say. I'm going to play a little bit, a little bit of devil's advocate for the FBI here, just for a second. I don't necessarily believe this. Is, mm. I don't necessarily believe this. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Okay, everybody, calm the fuck down. Um, I'm calm. I'm calm. So, the Corey sto- is not. The story goes so far that the FBI reached out to not only Twitter but other social media companies prior to the release of the Hunter Biden laptop story. And basically said, hey, you know, uh, look out. There might be some Russian disinformation coming, right? They didn't specifically mention the Hunter Biden laptop story, so at least that we've seen so far. And so I look at that and I go, is that clear-cut evidence of collusion with the FBI? Or is that Twitter being super-duper lefty and seeing this story come through and going, oh, uh, this must be what that FBI guy was talking about. This must be that that Russian collusion and their and their bias. Because like, I'm I'm always a proponent of never chalking anything up to malfeasance that can be credited to stupidity and incompetence. And so well, that's what qualified immunity is for, Dan. That's <laughs> true. So it's like it's like, you know, what is it at this point? I don't think we know that much. I don't think we, yeah, I don't like think when we you know as much as we tweets, hope we were going to know. When you go through the tweets, you see them, like in one of them, it's mentioned they don't want 2016 to happen again. And it just seemed, and then like on top of that, you talk, you've seen them with references to section 230, which is basically, uh, what is section 230? I, I can't think of the exact words verbatim, but it was a, an outlet on the internet can't be held responsible for a publishing for something that was published that if someone shares it on their page, they can't be held liable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trump wanted to get rid of that, if you remember. And that, and so when this, when all of this was happening, Section Two Thirty was a hot button topic. Uh, Two thousand sixteen, it was you know the the drops of the them talking about investigating Hillary Clinton definitely put a damper on her uh, campaign. And so they they wanted to try to avoid that again. But I think honestly, my personal opinion that is bullshit. Campaign elections coincide with real life. They're not a, they're not in its own bubble. If something happens when a campaign is being run and something is brought to light, the people deserve to know. And Twitter, it's very clear in the different emails and stuff that were leaked that Twitter was suppressing that information. Now, the reason why it's not illegal and not suppression of or the reason yeah, the reason why it's not illegal and the reason why it's not technically a suppression of free speech. Is Twitter didn't take down New York Post article 
they just suppress it on their personal private platform. And you could say that their suppression brought the uh, story more to light, that more people like heard about it and stuff. Now, it was it my was, issue. It was Streisand affected. Streisand affected. Yeah, it was. Sure. Yeah, the Barbara Streisand effect. Now, my issue with that is the way that they did that. It only gave you know the tinfoil hat people more credence to think there's a bigger conspiracy happening, and it, and because of the silence, then there was no discussion of it on the public platform or in the proverbial town square. It just gave them all of these legs to run with about crazy conspiracy theories about it when in all reality if it was actually brought out and people could discuss it it might not have been where it is now to where we might actually be able to learn about corruption and stuff and instead we're all talking about hunter biden's dick (laughs) you know and honestly i think that's what the democrats wanted they didn't want people talking about this they wanted people talking about crack pipes in hunter biden's mouth yeah yeah this is um It's 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 interesting because you look at just the reaction to this, and I look at like like this is the per- Robbie said he likes what Matt Tybee's doing, but not how he's doing it with all the time in for the two days two second release BS. Well, that's which just- <laughs> which I think you know like me and Dan were talking about this too. I think that like. Matt Taibbi got the scoop and I'm sure one of the stipulations from Elon was you have to release it on Twitter because we're talking about two people that have very successful sub stacks where they could have released this. Oh, Elon. Okay. 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 All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I guess it, it sounds like we're kind of on the same page that uh, it sounds like Elon wanted to release like this on his page, but you know, it's kind of a smart business move. Imagine like, like the people, the amount of people going to Twitter now to see this shit. It's a big PR stunt, sure. And it's garnering a lot of attention. But it would have been nice to see this actually written out in a thoughtful way versus a bunch of 240 character tweets. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it will be after the fact. I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, Elon owns the platform. It, 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 part of the stipulation was probably, hey, I'll give you guys this... Uh, this scoop, but you have to release it on Twitter first. So I'm sure we'll see some, you know, some nice, well thought out written pieces by both Matt and Barry. Uh, they're 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 fantastic journalists. I have uh, complete faith in their writing abilities. Uh, unless you unless you ask uh, uh, people, that's fair. People, he says if you care about corruption, it doesn't need to be a show release. It or it doesn't yeah, need to be a show release all, at all. I not, mean, and, just to play devil's yeah. advocate for Elon here. I mean, the guy. I mean, we, the guy's a billionaire. You're not a billionaire. You don't. You don't buy Twitter and try to go to Mars unless you're a fucking narcissist. I mean, come on. This, I mean, <laughs> yeah, this that's just, true. I mean, it's just it's just par for the course. Uh, you can still care about corruption and also be a narcissist and want it released on your platform to start with. Um, you know any chance to make a dime, I guess. But like the reaction to this whole thing has been like the perfect example to me of, of legitimate both sidesism, right? When you think about the right, like somebody needs to be prosecuted for this and free speech, this and free speech, that meanwhile, they're also sitting there saying that, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a baker doesn't have to bake a cake for a, uh, for a, a gay couple or whatever. And then you have topic. I don't even know if we'll get to now that I wanted to talk about it kind of in detail. Right. And then, and then you have people on the left that literally it's just all ad hom arguments uh, towards Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss and going like, like not even giving examples, but just trying to diminish their credibility as journalists, even though in, in my view, Barry Weiss and, and Matt Taibbi are probably two of maybe the top five journalists in the world right now based on what they actually publish. And it's and it's all just attacking them and not what well, Taibbi at this point to this point, because Barry hasn't given, you know, her entire scoop yet, but I'm sure they'll go after her next. But it's just this this uh just this attack on Taibbi and nothing to do with what he actually published. Right. So, Matt Taibbi is doing PR work for the world's richest man. <laughs> so, so it's like you have you have Dude, ad, there was so ad many hom attacks versus basically yeah. said the same thing. What was that? There was so many tweets that said like basically just that. Matt Taibbi is doing PR work for the world's richest man. What a fall from grace! This guy well, used to be a Rolling Stones journalist. <laughs> He's not Kanye. Jeez. 
<laughs> now, when Matt Taibbi starts scoops up Nick Fuentes and goes on uh, Alex Jones's show, then we know he's really taking a, he's taking a big fall at, at that point, right? Um, but yeah, no, it's it's interesting. It does prove that there is a slant in the tech industries and things like that for and how. And it's interesting to me how they're just in such of a little buzzle of their own. What's up, Skizza? They're they're in such a little buzzle of their own that uh they didn't even take into account like the um what's it called? The Bill of Rights and stuff. Like for example, I'm looking at number thirty six. Did you just say what's it called? The Bill of Rights and stuff? Yeah, what's it called? <laughs> that Bill and Rights and stuff. Um Rokana. Uh, was like freaking out about this going like, yo, like uh, I'm more concerned about the bill of rights. And they're like, well, then I forget what they said exactly in the, in the emails, whatever there's, they were more concerned about their, uh, what's it called? Their terms of services, not the bill of rights. Like the Democrats. Meanwhile, this is uh, from number 36 of the Twitter files. The Democrats, meanwhile, complain that the companies are inept. They let conservatives muddy the water and make the Biden campaign look corrupt, even though Biden is innocent. The, they linked this to Hillary Clinton's email scandal. She did nothing wrong, but because the press wouldn't let the story go, it became a scandal far out of proportion. Hmm. In their minds, social media is doing the same thing. It doesn't moderate enough harmful content, so when it does, like it did yesterday, it becomes a story. If the companies moderated more, conservatives wouldn't even think to use social media for disinformation, misinformation, or otherwise. But what the Democrats about- were in agreement. Okay, social ahead. media needs to moderate more because they're corrupting democracy and making all truth relative. When pushed on how the government might insist on that, consistent with the First Amendment, they, they demurred. The First Amendment isn't absolute. But see, that's that right there is the bullshit that everybody sees through. Right. It, oh, if they moderate more, then conservatives won't be able to spread disinformation. What about liberals spreading disinformation? What about all the COVID nonsense? What about all the vaccine mandates and all that garbage? Like clear, clear dis and misinformation. The only yeah. difference here in the quote unquote dis and misinformation is the fact that uh, liberals have this this cultural stranglehold on on society and media like that's that's literally the only difference like they're both spewing bullshit both sides are spewing bullshit but the conservative angle doesn't get heard at, at, well it does i mean you, you know you really don't have to look for it that hard just go to the yeah Daily it's Wire not like there's silence you just have to like yeah it's the influence isn't there as much as leftist media um, for example, like when you want to use a perfect example of misinformation, Dan, is look at uh, the morality police in Iraq. I mean, Iran. All the stories are running with this idea that Iran, Iran's uh, protests had a conclusion where the morality police was dismantled, when that's not true. Mm-hmm. But now you got people in America thinking that the morality pre- po- police in Iran were dismantled. And like I said to you before we started the show, Americans have the attention span of a goldfish. To where they hear that the morality police were dismantled, they go, "Oh well, thank God that chapter's over." They close the book and then they move on to the next thing. And now, no, you're not even going to hear about Iran anymore because everyone's going to think that, "Oh, they fixed their problem. Thank God. Let's get on to the next." Well, and when it, that's not the case at all. Yeah, that's actual like concrete misinformation. Uh, that honestly coming is, from the left, that, like that's the, that's leftist establishment media that was reporting that. I mean, it's kind. Of, I mean, that's honestly probably probably a bipartisan misinformation i don't think they uh, i don't think conservatives would disagree with that uh with wanting to dismantle the morality police in iran um but it's it's this this place we've reached where opinions are misinformation yeah you know what i mean like 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 when 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 twitter goes and they take uh people like uh peter mccullough and, and dr malone off twitter for giving their opinions on the reality of M- of mRNA vaccine, educated opinions, by the way, uh, that's misinformation. And when 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 you listen to either of those guys in 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 their multitude of podcast interviews, uh, you you can hear you can hear them, and it and hear the fact that it's that it's an educated opinion that they're giving. But that's a right. dangerous opinion. So it's misinformation. Opinions that appear to now actually hold weight. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. 
And yeah, why is it that when someone like that gives their opinion and like the timing is too early, you know, it's like still like wet behind the ears, it's considered misinformation. And now you have Fauci actually coming out. He was in his deposition the other day and he was like, well, maybe the, uh, the vaccine or the virus did come from a Wuhan lab. We didn't want to say that because the tensions with China were were high. Well, they'll, they'll never go. They'll never go back and say they were wrong. They'll have some uh, moron. No, I shouldn't say moron, but some elitist from a, a, an Ivy League university write an article for the Atlantic asking for amnesty. That's what they'll do. That's not <laughs> the same as an apology. That's not the same as admitting you were wrong. Is it? I mean. No, they never. They'll never do that. They can't. It's like do when that. it's yeah. It's like when your dad abuses you, and then instead of saying sorry, he goes and buys you ice cream after. <laughs> you made you. Why do you make me hit you? Yeah, that kind of thing. I mean, that's, <laughs> Here's I mean, that's some ice cream. That's exactly Don't tell your mom. That's that's exactly what it is. Now, at the end of the day, as much as I think that what Twitter did was unbelievably unethical, I think he would agree. Yeah. Uh, we have, we have to stop acting like we know that there was a crime committed here because I know I heard Ted Cruz talking about you know the the idea that it there was there there might be some legality issues with the FBI colluding with Twitter, but I mean the way I I think that's going to be really really hard to prosecute right because you look at it and you go okay if the FBI goes to Twitter. And all we know so far is that they just warned them of possible Russian, well, you know. Dan, dis- the FBI worked for Twitter. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, the, <laughs> but all we know so far is that the FBI went to Twitter and said, oh, there might be this possible Russian disinformation coming through. But even if they went to the point where it was like, uh, yeah, we really want you guys to suppress this stuff. Even if that, even if that's what was said. Even if, even if the Democratic Party went to Twitter and said, yeah, we really want you guys to, to, to suppress this stuff. Twitter can choose to suppress it or not suppress it. Now, obviously, yeah. being as lefty as they are, it's, they it's a legal loophole. It. Yeah, and, and so so it's remarkably unethical and it's fucking yeah. wrong. And that is why I'm glad that Taibi and Barry Weiss are releasing this information because it's something that the that the American public deserves to to see. And you know, if you've been paying any bit of attention over the last you know whatever it is year or so, uh, you already knew about most of this stuff. But it's nice to have it put out and concrete i hope it's actually like out in written form at some point uh like you said earlier but it, it's and you you know that it has to be something that the american people need to know because of what we talked about about five minutes ago Corey. anybody who's pissed off about it is only attacking the speakers they're all they're doing is attacking ad hom ad hom attacks on on elon matt Taibbi, yep. now barry weiss it's like do you not understand that that is a dead giveaway that all this stuff is true and we were in a, a, a good majority of us were right from the start? Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. I guess when I mentioned earlier, like a vindication, like this just proves that, like, Hold oh hey, you know, like we were all saying that these uh, that there's a huge like left slant, liberal slant in all of these tech companies, and this only proves it. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, but yeah, but like the legal loophole I mentioned a second ago, like it's it's equivalent to like a prosecutor that has an informant. A prosecutor has to get a warrant and go through like all the proper channels in the courts, you know, to go and bust in someone's house because they're protected by the Fourth Amendment, even if they're a and like with all the even if they're a criminal, they're still protected by the Fourth Amendment. But if a prosecutor has an informant on the inside and he goes, well, you know, if you find some of those documents in the house and you take them and they end up with us, then, hey, it's <laughs> they let you in their house. You just happen to steal from them. Then we can use that in court. That's a loophole. Is it ethical? No. Even if it's a criminal, you're trampling on their constitutional rights. And you could go back and listen to some of our other episodes, how we talked about how informants is a huge racketeering industry done by the letter the three letter alphabet departments but uh what they did wasn't necessarily illegal well and that's and that's just it. but it's well, still it's well, still but just because that is still so important that it's being brought to light well and that's and that's the thing that that makes me cringe about people on the right with regards to this story and stories like it it's like well you know they influenced the election and I, I, I want to say it was actually uh, Catherine Mankey Ward who made this uh, uh, argument on the Reason Roundtable this week. She said, yeah, that's what we do here. 
we yeah. influence elections. Like everybody's influencing an election or trying to influence an election so one way or another. Um, you know, even foreign entities, although we would hope that right. that doesn't happen. It does. And that's just Herschel Walker's abortion fiasco wasn't suppressed because it might influence an election. Right. It was, you know, it was pushed steel- harder because it might influence an election. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like it's just, it's the, uh, the uh the the double talk i guess for a lack of a better term i'm trying to think of a, the double standard is yeah, what frustrates me with all of it can it's where it's convenient for your team versus versus where it's not and right. that's that's the i mean and that's the part that like you and i are both sick of i i'm honestly tired of how much control democrats have over media and culture i don't like it now, does that mean that I want Republicans to have control over media and culture? No, I don't want that either. I want an objective. I would like it to be a lot more even, at least in some way, shape, or form. I don't want conservatives' ideas being suppressed, even though I don't agree with many of them. I would like right. to hear them. And I would just- like to know what they are. I would like to hear a story about Hunter Biden's laptop, even though you know, and that and that was that was the other big thing, right? Corey's like, well, if this story had gotten out on Twitter, Trump would have won the election. It's like. Uh, maybe maybe not people he was such a volatile figure that i don't think people cared it's like it's like i i cannot imagine a scenario where if if the hunter biden laptop story however true or false or whatever it ended up being at the time now we know it's pretty true uh i just i just don't see that affecting the because this was an election and I think 2016 was very similar. This was an election where you were, where everybody in America who went to the polls to vote for either Joe Biden or Donald Trump, very few people were voting for the candidate that they ended up checking off on that fucking ballot. They were voting against, they were the, voting other, against yeah. the other guy. So anybody who was voting for, I was one of those people. I held my nose and voted for Joe Biden. Not because I liked Joe Biden. I'm so glad I can say I didn't do that. I, Look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, happy with myself over it. I'm not I, mad. I'm disappointed. Dan. I, I really wish I had just but it was before you know, we started our show. Checked, I, re- so, I really wish I had just not checked a box at this. My point. scope of influence wasn't on you yet. <laughs> You're turning me. You're turning me. <laughs> the nihilistic. Fuck this. But you know what I mean? Like it doesn't. I don't think it matters how prevalent the Joe or the Hunter Biden laptop story was. I just don't think it was going to affect the election because this was an election of fucking hate. On both sides of the equation, I just yeah, I just can't see a scenario where that was going to be the case. Yeah, no, I just think I just it's it ultimately what it comes down to, and this is what always fucking frustrates me about all of this censorship and this shadow banning and stuff. And this is it just drives me to my core, not the idea itself, but the premise behind it. Of well, the collective is too dumb to make this to be able to decipher this information and make informed decisions on their own, so we're going to do it for them. Well, don't you think, and don't you think that kind of applies to like the Kanye situation, right? It's like, he's the newest, how can you give him a platform? How can you give him, I'm sorry, like I want to know what fucking dumbass anti-Semitic bullshit Kanye has to spew because yeah, he's an you influential know what? It's guy. It's great because it gives, because you see how many, like we now know the Republican Party is that Nazis are racist because when an actual Nazi comes out, they're all in lockstep going, yeah, no, that guy's fucking insane <laughs> we to, want nothing to, to do with them to the point where he has to go on like conservative alex jones conservative <laughs> conservative grifter tim pool and uh uh what would you call alex jones a conspiracy theory grifter uh alex jones to, that that amount of fall from grace is because and they both disagreed with him they, they did but it's like, <laughs> they, they did it's dude it's so weird because it's one of those situations where it's like why did you have him on it's not that i don't think they shouldn't be able to have him on as i've said multiple times you want to have him on have click. him on but it's like dude why you know why dude for the show for the clicks yeah for the clicks like don't don't pretend oh tim pool drives me nuts with that shit like don't and don't, don't also pretend. pretend that if kanye west hit us up and asked to be on our show because we're like the only thing left we wouldn't have him on i am so glad you said that because i was actually thinking that before we started the show while i was thinking about that point that i just made it was like <laughs> what would we do if kanye called us oh i guess we're grifters too because we totally fucking have him on <laughs> <laughs> we'd be calling him an idiot like he would only last five minutes 
But I wouldn't hold back. He would last five minutes. He would walk out. Well, that and plus, here's the difference between us and them, Corey, is that we just sat here and admitted we'd grift off of Kanye West if we had the opportunity to do so. <laughs> yeah, they're like, it's not grifting. We're just giving him a, his, oh, I just, his, got, his right. Want to give him a chance to speak. I think Lex Friedman was really the only one that like really wasn't, because I don't, I don't consider Lex a grifter. It was like, because he was one of the first ones where it was like, is this really what he thinks? Let's talk to him and find out. But then like after yeah. that, and then after, well, maybe if Tucker Carlson didn't edit out all his craziness from his speech, and then comes out and goes, he seems like a pretty reasonable guy. <laughs> after I edited out three hours of a forty-minute oh. interview. Oh God! Just when you think Tucker's doing well, he goes and pulls a stunt like that. Um, right. So the last, the, the only thing we really haven't gotten to, besides what is coming through from Barry Weiss at the moment, is the Jim Baker situation. Right. So Jim Baker, uh, the uh, former FBI, what was what was his position there? I, he was a, an attorney for the FBI somewhere. In I, I had it written down, but I forgot. It doesn't matter either way. Motherfucker worked for the FBI and then took a job at Twitter in what was it, January of twenty twenty one? I believe somewhere. It doesn't really matter. The timeline doesn't really matter. The point is, he used to work for the FBI. He now, well, now he doesn't work for Twitter. But as of about a week and a half ago, he still worked for Twitter and, uh. Elon is claiming, I don't think we really have corroboration fully on this yet, but Elon is claiming that uh, Jim Baker vetted all of the Twitter files before they were sent to Matt Taibbi, which at the very least makes you question, like, how did Matt Taibbi not find any correspondence, like, related to the FBI anywhere in those emails? At least not that I saw. And I went, I went through them pretty thoroughly. Did you see anything that I missed? I don't know. About uh, Jim Baker being involved? No, just about like the some of the actual snippets of emails that Taibbi posted. Oh, 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 oh! I didn't see any reference to the FBI. Did you? I mean, like direct reference to the FBI? Um, no. There was Ro Khanna was reaching out, and he was actually one saying, "Hey, this might be a direct res- a direct uh, attack on freedom of speech, and this is gonna you know they were talking about how this is gonna be really bad." Mm-hmm. And it looked like, and it looked like just nobody knew what to do, and they were all scrambling because they contorted themselves in this box. And then this story came along, but I didn't see any direct re- references to the FBI until afterwards when they realized who Jim Baker was. Right, and it's like that's to and me, to me, to this point, and maybe maybe what Barry Weiss puts out will explain it a little bit more. But to me, that's just interesting at this point. I don't think it really proves anything just yet it's it's just it is it, it i mean it's really suspicious right <laughs> that's suspicious that, that a guy that, that uh recently had worked for the fbi is now and he was involved in the steel dossier and right, russia game right 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 so yeah i get it i get it uh and then you know elon subsequently fired him so as of, when he found out who he was yeah uh, he was exited from a few, twitter a, a few days ago uh, vetting, vetting the Twitter, the Twitter files. Should we start reading these uh, Barry Weiss tweets? Uh, hold on, let me refresh here because I think we're at. I think she's released uh, seven at this point. So, all right, yeah, uh, sure. And we're reading these live. We're we're getting them uh, as we're reading them. So this is as uh, you're getting them. Yeah. Oh, so, I can't. I tried to go full screen, and then I'm like, oh wait, I can't scroll on the Twitter when I do that. That's right. I got. Uh, I got the. Uh, I got the full, I got a new the full Twitter theory. files investigation reveals that teams of Twitter employees build black blacklists, prevent disfavored tweets from trending, and actively limit the visibility of entire accounts or even trending topics, all in secret without informing users. So I think that's the part that everyone's kind of freaking out about is all in secret without informing users. Like the algorithms are hidden. No one really knows what's going to get put uh, in a shadow ban and what isn't. Twitter once had a mission to give everyone the power to create and share ideas and information instantly without barriers. Along the way, barriers nevertheless were erected. Take, for example, Stanford's Dr. J. Bhattacharya, who argued that COVID lockdowns would harm children. Twitter secretly placed him on a trends blacklist, which prevented his tweets from trending. Or consider the popular right-wing talk show host Dan Bargiorno who at one point was slapped with a, C- a search blacklist. Oh, Dan Bongino. Ugh. 
<laughs> right. What well, and so this picture right here. So verified, active, notification spike, search blacklist, Twitter blue verified, multiple accounts, strike count zero, NSFW view, SPMA. So every account has all these different little tags on them. Mm. And why does it say public enemy number one? Where does it say that? Uh, right there. See that? See where my. Oh, yeah, I do see it. Okay, here we go. Public Enemy number one joined January 2011. I got you. Okay, interesting. Twitter set the account of conservative activist Charlie Kirk to do not amplify, which would say right there, do not amplify. Um, so they ha- yeah, so it's interesting. They have this whole little bio of every profile. Yeah, recent abuse spike. Like, what the hell does that even mean? Do we? I don't do we know. Twitter that denied that it does... Twitter denied that it does such things. In 2018, Twitter's Vija Gaddy, then head of legal policy and trust, and Kayvon Bakepour, head of... I'm butchering these names. They're tough names. Said, They're, uh, don't, okay. we, do not sh- we do not shadow ban, they added, and we certainly don't shadow ban based on political viewpoints or ideology. Well, so I mean, that's the problem that I have the issue with. Is they straight up lied about it. Well, here's, here's what's and, interesting. Here's what's interesting because, okay... If we go back up and we look at the pictures, so Dan Bongino, uh, Search Blacklist, uh, Charlie Kirk, uh, Do Not Amplify, uh, what was the other one? Uh, What's the strike count? The doctor, uh, Recent Abuses Strike. So when, when Twitter says, we do not shadow ban... Yeah, that's Do Not Amplify, you're doing that. But that's... that's a, right, but... The, that's not how these people see it. They see it as we don't shadow ban anyone. Where on there does it say we shadow ban anyone? Like it's all about language. When in reality, we know what we like. Like potato, it's, it's, potato. It's fucking semantics, dude. That's what it. And they, but they don't see it that way. That's the thing. At least that's what I'm gathering. Uh, that's the thing. Is like, yeah, they were lying about it. So Barry's Barry goes on to say uh, you what many people call shadow banning Twitter executives, employees call visibly filtering or VF <laughs> multiple high level sources confirmed its meeting. That's you literally what you just yeah, said. The semantics. Think about visib- visibly filtering as being a way for us to suppress what people see to different levels. It's a very powerful tool. One senior Twitter employee told us. VF refers to Twitter's control over user visibility. It used VF to block searches of individual users, to limit the scope of a particular tweet's discoverability, to block select users' posts from ever appearing on the trending page, and from inclusion in hashtag searches, all so, without users' knowledge. So here's so here's what's uh, here's what's so infuriating about this. Again, nothing about this is illegal but the argument is that it you know if twitter's supposed to be the public town square this is at best remarkably unethical what they're doing uh yep. and now again i don't like when people come out and go oh, it's a, well, it's a free speech violation it's a free speech violation this is the same people because this is the same people that will sit there and go you know you know um that will sit there and try to uh revoke free speech in in other areas so i don't like i don't like when people bring up the free speech aspect of it because it's a private company. I like how people use that on the left and the right when it's convenient for their narrative. Um, yeah, but when it, it's against, when it goes against what they believe, they're like, "Oh my fucking god!" But okay, first of all, it's not uh, at least at the time. It's it wasn't a a private company. It was a publicly traded company. But the the the, the legality of that is still the same. Like they can still make the decision to do what they did as far as quote-unquote shadow banning uh however it's unethical and really disgusting to deny that you're doing it right and then continuing to do it after you've already been caught brandon just said i think this is like what how like what, how robbie said doesn't like how he's doing he goes people pay more attention when you create a spectacle no one cares when you just drop information like when they drop the kennedy files and he has a point like it's like you almost had like you almost got to make a spectacle out of shit for people to even pay attention to it. This was just some article on uh, Matt Taibbi's Substack. No one would even see it. It would have been just like as evidenced by this clearly that it happens by these Twitter files. It would have just been suppressed. 
No, I mean, the people that would have seen it would be the people that know that Matt Taibbi is a fantastic journalist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it wouldn't like, have been the people, yeah. You and I would have seen it, you know, uh, the, the, the people in the reasonable human being, uh, non-culture war, staying away from the left or the right, uh, I don't want to say centrist, but folks yeah. like that would have seen it. We control visibility quite a bit, and we control the amplification of our content quite a bit. And normally people do not know how much we do, one Twitter engineer told us. Two additional Twitter employees confirmed. And it's, you know, when I read shit like this, and, you know, and Robbie's and Robbie was watching, I don't know if he's still on here. But, like, we've made jokes about this on each other's podcasts about how, uh, like, people get shadow banned. And like we would make jokes on our show, like, oh, we talked about that. We're probably shadow banned and would make like kind of like laugh about it because there was no uh, tangible truth or proof that it happens. But now we have it. And I think the thing that intrigues me most about this coming out is like, okay, so Twitter to me, I just look at this as like Twitter is the first to be busted. Like the Twitter. Yeah, so it's clear. Like, yeah, if it's happening here, you Facebook, know YouTube, all of them. You, you I mean. The group that decided whether to limit the reach of certain users was the Strategic Response Team, Global Escalation Team, or SRTGET. It often handled up to 200 cases per day. But there existed a level of beyond official ticketing, beyond the rank-and-file moderators following the company's policy on paper, that is, the Site Integrity Policy, Policy Escalation Support, known as SIPPES. This secret group included Head of Legal, Policy, and Trust, Viaja Gaddy, and the global head of trust safety, Yoel Roth, subsequent CEOs, Jack Dorsey, and Prague Agarwal, and others. This is where the biggest, most politically sensitive decisions got made. Think high follower account, controversial. Another Twitter employee told us, for these, there would be no ticket or anything. So if someone, yeah, so so wait. Is she saying that like the big accounts, there would be no ticket, they wouldn't have anything on paper that they shadow banned and they just did it? Is that what she's saying? I think that's what she's saying. One of the accounts that rose to this level of scrutiny was Libs of TikTok, an mm. account that was on the trend, trends blacklist and was designated as do not take action on user without consulting with SIPPES. Okay, so the strike count thing, I'm assuming that's when they actually shared something that uh, like went against the, the terms and services. And what's really interesting, if you saw Charlie Kirk's and Dan Bongiorno's, they had zero strike count. So they were basically sharing stuff that wasn't against the terms and services of Twitter, but they literally uh, shadow banned them anyways. That shocks me that Dan Bongino didn't have any strikes against him. Because <laughs> I think Dan Bongino is a piece of shit. So I can't believe that he wouldn't have he wouldn't have had something that Twitter that Twitter management at that point in time would have thought. Was, that uh, one was seven minutes ago. So that one might be the last one for now. Uh, no, I got a few more here. I just refreshed. This is yeah. going from 17 to 21. Uh, the, God damn it. The account which Chaya Rachik began in November of 2020 and now boasts over 1.4 million followers was subjected to six suspensions in 2022. <laughs> Each time Rachik was blocked from posting for as long as a week. Uh, I don't know why I'm missing 18. Oh, so 20. here's 17, 18, and 19. All right, I just read 17. Yeah, so Twitter repeatedly informed Ryachik that she had been suspended for violating Twitter's policies against hateful conduct. But in the international SIPPES memo from October 2022, after her seventh suspension, the committee acknowledged that LTT was not directly engaged in behavior violative of the hateful conduct policy. See here. The committee has justified her... Like, I guess, I don't know if we should read that. But uh, it's just po- site policy recommendation assessment. And it just says that they didn't directly engage in behavior violative of hateful content, even though they banned her for it. But then they said that she didn't do it. Or LTT, LLT, whatever, LTT, whatever that is. Libs of TikTok, duh. Yeah, we were just yeah. talking about it. Fuck me. <laughs> the committee justified her suspensions internally by claiming her posts encouraged online harassment of hospitals and medical providers by insinuating that gender affirming healthcare is equivalent to child abuse or grooming. Compare this to what happened when Radchick herself was doxxed on November 21st, 2022. A photo of her home with her address was posted in a tweet that garnered more than 10,000 likes. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. So Twitter swears that they don't put up with doxing, right? That it uh, it violates their terms of service. I, mean, I, I'm, I, think, I, I think I'm right about that. I think... 
so but, well maybe if they weren't so focused on blocking this person for just having an opinion that goes against the grain of uh and a certain ideology, they would have been able to worry about the safety of this user. Well, it, Corey, it's it's just having basic principles and and morals, right? So I uh, let let me think of somebody who I really fucking can't stand their ideas and what they do, right? Uh, I'll let's, I'll just bring up an example because she's the first person that came to my head: Marjorie Taylor Greene. Marjorie Taylor Greene's okay. a fucking idiot. She says a lot of stupid things. She shouldn't be blocked. She shouldn't be doxxed, right? Like I would be, I would be, I would cringe from morally deep inside if I found out that Marjorie Taylor Greene was being doxxed all over Twitter. Now, do you think if Marjorie Taylor Greene, at least during this this Twitter management that uh, the Twitter files are about, you think if Marjorie Taylor Greene was doxxed on Twitter, how long do you think it would have taken them to to take that off? Fix of there, that? yeah. Yeah, uh, the, uh, Cottonmouth uh, just said Twitter got busted for lying about censorship. Typical libtard BS, and that's what we were kind of talking about when we said like when when this stuff was hidden. That's a conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. but now it's not. But and I guess that's what I was getting at. When do you think there was some vindication for people on the right who were talking about this? He, and he, I would say yes, but I don't think that it was like out of bounds like like legal but here's the thing about legally like like, i'll bring it back up right like i agree with everything up until the comma and what's after that the typical 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 (laughs) but here's why right here's why censorship on of of any kind is bad it's just that the quote-unquote libtard bs is the mainstream portion right now like conservatives aren't actually i shouldn't say conservatives i should say uh i should say hardcore conservatives that are just hateful of liberal ideals in general these are the people that it's not that they want free it's not that they're arguing for freedom of speech they're just trying to get liberal censorship removed so that they can impose their own censorship I give you. I mean, yeah. the, the best example is like Truth Social, right? Read their the fucking, best example read, is Trump read, trying to negate fucking Section two thirty. Well, that that, but like <laughs> even even just like Trump's own social media platform. Like, read the terms of service, dude. Like, there's yeah, like, yeah, no, like, both we're sides we're a free it. speech platform. It's like no, you're not because if you shit on Trump, you're you're violating the terms of service. Well, if I can't shit on Trump on Truth Social, that's you're not a freedom of speech platform. Right, and then so Cottonmouth, welcome to the show. But yeah, if you if you hang around, you'll see real quick that we don't necessarily lean one way or the other when it comes to this kind of shit. Like we think both sides are terrible with this. Like for example, like right now it's the liberals that definitely have the upper hand, but because they have control. In the grand scheme of things, you could go back to McCarthyism. You know, you can go back to Hoover, and it was the right that did it to the left. The whole war on drugs was based on trying to censor and silence the hippies and the blacks. Um, it goes back and forth constantly. It's just right now we're seeing the pendulum swing left. And what mine and Dan's concerns are is instead of letting the sun, the pendulum just constantly swing back and forth. How about we just fucking stop it or at least take it slow off the it chain? or at least slow it down a little bit. Like, can it just yeah, swing a little bit less each time? Yeah, that'd be good. So like, yeah, like, and in this instance, typical libtard BS, I'll push back against you, Dan. Yes, it is typical libtard BS, but that doesn't negate the fact that conservatives do the same damn thing when given the chance. Oh yeah, they would hundred percent. Yeah. It's not. And I also agree with this statement. except for you know what honestly as this as more and more of this stuff comes out like i I actually like jack dorsey more and more and more like it really it really kind of seems like he was just trying to keep a listing ship afloat you know what i mean it It sounds like his biggest fault was just going fuck this yeah throwing his hands up that's what he did honestly at one time yeah if somebody was gonna if somebody like barry weiss was gonna interview somebody right now over this stuff i would love to hear what jack dorsey has to say yeah because it appears he didn't know what if elon brings jack dorsey back in that'd be kind of cool right that honestly from a pr perspective i think that would be so good even from i didn't even think about that Uh, but do you really think jack dorsey wants to get involved with this bullshit again Uh, no he got out clean uh, (laughs) he got out pretty damn clean you know how much you know how many yachts and how much cash 
in a fucking briefcase, tax-free, that, that Elon would have to shove under his bed. Here's here's just a yacht full of cash. Jack Dorsey, please come back for the just for right. the, from a PR perspective. Because, I mean, liberals hate Elon, right, at this point. Right. And uh, um, conservatives just hate what Twitter represents, although not so much anymore because Elon took over. Uh, I don't know. It's nothing's in good faith anymore. Yeah, I think that's the last one so far. Ooh. We got up to twenty one from yeah. Barry so far. Yeah, I yeah. I just it. refreshed it. Um, let's see where we're at. This is a the hers is both were good, but hers is a little juicier. The only difference is that we're not getting the screenshots of any emails this this time, Rob. But we are getting screenshots of. Uh, yeah, that other stuff that we saw screenshots of, like how they have like just everyone's profile with like all their little markings and stuff on it. All their little strike counts. And When Ryshek told Twitter that her address had been dis- disseminated, she says Twitter support responded with this message. We reviewed the reported content and didn't find it to be in violation of the Twitter rules. No action was taken and the doxing tweet is still up. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing That's at that. That's fucking juicy. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Is there any more after that? Yeah, there's. Yeah, more. there is. Hold on, let me um, fi- let me find that here. one you were at. The doxing tweet is still. Which number was that? Twenty two. Yeah. Uh, of course, I'm a little past. That. So as you're looking for it, twenty three. I'm, I'm going to see if I can find that tweet. <laughs> I have to try. I'm going to have to try and find that tweet. In internal Slack messages, Twitter employees spoke of using technicalities to restrict the visibility of tweets and subjects. Here's Yol Ross, Twitter then global head of trust and safety in a direct message to a colleague in 2021. And it says, and of course it's taken forever to fucking load. Cause I have probably 30 tabs open. <laughs> Pulled a Marshall Kozlov right here, Dan. Wow. This is taking a long time. Okay. Hold on. I'm not gonna be able to, I'm, I mean, I could probably find it if I really, really search for it, but. Uh, I don't. I'm just waiting for it to load. I'm back on the Streamyard page. No, but um, I don't. I don't think it. Uh, I don't think Barry says who, who docks this woman. So it's it's going to be hard to find. But oh man, this sure this find it. Twitter has to be going nuts right now because my my tab is unresponsive. <laughs> what are you? Are you on twenty three? Yeah. The Slack messages. Yeah. Did you? Were you trying to read the Slack message? Yeah, I tried to pull it up, and now this. Let me see if I can get it. If I can get it up here, here we go. And like as we were talking on the pre-show when this first came out, I was and we were talking, and I had it screen shared right here. I was watching the retweets just go like one thousand, one thousand one hundred. Here we go. One thousand two hundred. One thousand three hundred. I got you. I got you. I'm gonna screen share mine here real quick. Oh, go. thank God, uh, Yoel Roth. Uh, a lot. Uh, this is the, this is the Slack message, right? A lot of times, SI <clears throat> has used technically. <clears throat> Excuse me. Technically, spam enforcement as a way to solve a problem created by safety enforcing their policies, safety under enforcing their policies, which again isn't a problem per se, but it helps us from addressing the root cause of the issue, which is that our safety policies need some attention. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! So yeah, I mean, look. You you look at an internal Slack message like that. This is this is the juicy stuff we wanted. Uh, this is basically saying that safety, right? This whatever whatever they call it at Twitter, the safety department ha- had a responsibility. Is essentially what this is saying. At least that's what I'm gathering from it. So yeah. Uh, anyway, oh, there's another one. Six days later, in a direct message with an employee on the. Health? You don't have your. Uh, I'm sorry to completely go off on a tangent here, but you don't have your Twitter set up on dark mode. No, I don't. Should I? Am I supposed to? Fucking noob. <laughs> Am I supposed to? Am I, supposed to? <laughs> I don't know. I just have everything I get that has the option for dark mode. I just have it on dark mode. Six days later, in a direct message with an employee <laughs> on the health misinformation privacy and I an identity research team. Wow, what a name for a fucking. <laughs> department for Twitter. Uh, Roth requested more research to support uh, expanding, quote, non-removal policy interventions like disabling engagements and de-amplifying slash uh, de-amplification slash, slash visibility filtering. Uh, and that message said, one of the biggest areas I'd love research support on is non-removal policy interventions like disabling engagements and de-amplification slash visibility 
filtering. Uh, the hypothesis under underlying much of what we've implemented is that if exposure to misinformation directly causes harm, <laughs> we should use remediations that reduce exposure and limiting the spread slash variability or vir, viril, bleh, vir, <laughs> virality, I can't fucking read, of content is a good way to do that by just reducing prevalence overall. We got Jack on board, ooh, that's interesting, with uh, implementing the this for civic integrity in the near term, but we're going to need to make a more robust case to get this into our repertoire of policy remediations, uh, especially for other policy domains. So I'd love research's point of view on that. <laughs> there's a lot to oh, unpack man. there. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, hers is a little juicy. I don't even think I have a comment on that. Uh, Roth wrote the high policy. Okay, we already read that in his thing. 26 is he added... We got Jack on board with implementing yep. for civic integrity. Okay. Um, so I'm assuming that means Jack Dorsey. Yeah. And so it sounds like he was on he was on board with the idea of a broad scheme of it when it comes to like civil integrity. Under, yeah, I was like, gonna say under the guise of civil integrity, which that is I don't But even, it sounds like like based on Matt Taibbi's uh Twitter drop, uh, it sounds like he was in the dark about a lot of this. I'm just rereading this real quick, limiting this spread slash reality <laughs> of content. This is I, all pretty interesting, man. You know, it's it it's frustrating because it is vindication for people on the right, but they're just gonna botch it. <laughs> like we were talking, they're just gonna be like, "Oh, put them in jail," and it's just gonna be this crazy extremist response, right? They, like they always they always turn it into what it is, right? Like, or it's, the, they always turn it into something it's not, right? And yep. I don't know if that's because they're just behind the eight ball culturally, as far as like having influence over the culture. Uh, but it's like, you can you just can you just take the win because this is one of yeah, those. Situations. Here's what it is, Dan. Here's right, what it is. Right. Okay, so they take stuff like this, right, and they run with it so much with their response to the point where their response is laughable, and then the mainstream media and everything can literally just laugh off whatever they're saying, even if it's warranted or if even if there's a nugget of truth that it's based on. And it's kind of like what I was saying last week in regards to pedophilia. They take something that is real and is happening and blow it up to this massive proportion of unconceivability to where it just gives so much room for people on the other side to just go... <laughs> look at these crazies and instead of sharing the one who was like yeah that was fucking weird or wow twitter did this they ignore that and then they share the person that goes lock them up <laughs> and then everyone runs with the lock them up narrative and not the narrative that we're, well this is really unethical and they shoot themselves in the foot by making it so outlandish. Yeah, and well, and then what it'll turn into f from like a um, a lawmaker's perspective is like I can already hear. Uh, I don't know who it'll be. It could be it could be you know any Republican rep or senator that's going to come out and go. Uh, we need more regulation on social media on on what social media companies are allowed to do, which. No, we need less. Is which is you know the party that wants to sit there and claim you know that they're that they're the advocates for liberty. It's like no, yeah. Go look at True Social's terms and services. It's literally Twitter is just the opposite. No, well, well, what I meant was like I could just see like a I don't know like a Jim Jordan or somebody. I'm just naming a a, a congressman here. Oh but. God, fucking Jim Jordan. <laughs> but it being like we need we need to regulate these social media platforms and what they're allowed to do and what they're allowed to censor. So you're trying to you're trying to censor censorship is essentially what you're trying to do. It's so it's just so it always turns into this snowball effect of just over fucking reaction. It's like Twitter, you're busted. Like you and I see that. Twitter, you're busted. Oh, they're busted. You busted. You're, you're busted. We know, <laughs> we know what you did. Uh you lost credibility. Now Elon Musk owns Twitter now, so it's like Twitter didn't. So really who's the next right wing billionaire to buy Facebook? Twitter didn't really lose much. Uh, <laughs> you mean what do you mean? Mark Zuckerberg is a uh, he's a phony liberal billionaire, but he's he, like let's be honest, <laughs> let's be honest about what Not he really true. is. Right I, now, I want to see their uh, 
their inner workings. I want to see YouTube's inner workings because YouTube went completely off the rails when it came to COVID. Can I ask a stupid question that I'm hoping, ask away, you, I'm hoping you know the answer to? And I know some of our internet sleuth, sleuth listeners will know. I, I don't know how I don't know this, probably because I haven't cared enough to look into it. Who the fuck is Jeff Tiedrick? This guy that you Why see I- all over Twitter, he's got like 40 billion, 40 bazillion followers, and it's all just anti-Trump shit. Because he, he decided to reply, uh, and he's never- Oh, and you're he's, talking and, about that guy with the gray hair, right? Yeah, and he's never been verified. And he's like super, like, I, and he, you know, he, he decided to reply to Barry Weiss, uh, my eyes glaze over. It's like, you probably didn't read any of it. I don't know. I don't know who this guy is. Like, I don't, I feel like an idiot because I feel like I should, like- Oh, this is funny, though. Everyone's like, well, thank God new ownership will change all the, oh, hang on, what's this? And it's Elon Musk. New Twitter policy is freedom of speech, but not freedom of reach. Negative hate tweets will be maxed and boosted and demonetized, so no ads or other revenue to Twitter. (laughs) They're talking about how Elon... What's really funny, though, is even though Elon is basically saying he might kind of do the same thing, at least he's being open about it, first off, versus them being silent about it. So there's that's the first big difference is he's at least being he's telling people like yeah you uh, come on here and say you hate Jews a bunch people aren't really gonna see that tweet and but then this person I bet you also still thinks Elon is a crazy right wing nut even though he's saying he's gonna do the same thing the left wing did well right, right does that right. make sense what I'm no, saying no it does it uh, does because it speaks to what I it speaks to what I said about ten minutes ago which is that it's not that you know conservatives are for free speech and anti-censorship. They just want their type of censorship. You get, you know, you understand yeah. what I'm saying? So, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, I would, I would like to think that, uh, um, Elon Musk and his team's idea of what constitute hate constitutes hate speech is a little different than what it was before. Because that's the thing is like, that's why I hate the term hate speech because it's so subjective. Anything could be hate speech. I'd call you an idiot right here on this show, Corey, and get demonetized because I said something hateful to you. Right. <laughs> I hate speech to you. And then I could say, well, fuck you, and I'd be fine. I'm going to kill you, Corey Walsh. Ooh, <laughs> ooh better take him off. Great. Better well, th- there goes our view. Oh, they just dropped down to zero. shadow banned. Understand a joke. I was just kidding. <laughs> I have to, I have to, do I have to give the disclaimer? Like, I'm not really going to kill Corey Walsh. Yeah, if I'm That's suicided, you're fucked. <laughs> And you got motive. <laughs> I don't know. I heard some guy named Dan on his on a podcast with him. The last thing yeah. he said was, uh, <laughs> "You uh, you made Hillary Clinton." There's more list. to come on this story, which was reported by Abigail Schreier, Shellen Bergmund, Nellie Bowles, Isaac Grafstein, and the team of the Free Press. Keep up with the unfolding story here at our brand new website, thefp.com. Oh, nice! She dropped in uh, the Free Press and a. Uh, New website. The authors have brought in expanding access to Twitter's files. The only condition we agreed to was that the material would first be published on Twitter. Okay, so she verified it. She said it right there. Like, So there's going to be more. It just had to be put on Twitter first. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, it was, it was part of yeah. it. was part of probably part of Elon's deal. So, I mean, that's it. That's it for part two. Barry Weiss basically uh, part two. showing screenshots of... I mean, the, the, the big takeaway from Barry Weiss's Twitter files part two is showing the screenshots of what looks like the uh, home hub for some sort of Twitter executive showing what all the various flags were on certain accounts, which they said wasn't happening. Yeah. De facto shadow banning. Dude, I don't even know if we have time um, for anything else. I don't. We didn't no, I was to... just gonna say we're gonna have to talk about uh, uh, the Supreme Court cases next week. Most of them aren't gonna be dropped until June anyway, so it's not super time sensitive. Um, it's it's so funny because you and I, when we were when we had our show meeting last night, we we're like, God, when we the said, fuck? God, I hope she fucking drops it before. Yeah, when... this was all off the cuff, boys. Like we like this dropped <laughs> five minutes before we went on the air. <laughs> When the hell is Barry Weiss going to release Twitter Files Part 2? I hope it's before we do the show. And I refresh her page literally saw, five minutes before we go on air and go, oh, here I we saw go. Dan's desk go on a tilt <laughs> up. Uh, I still got <laughs> that. Because he got an erection I the size of the erection. Empire State Building. No, I, I, 
think you are overselling the size of my Schwanz, Corey. You are absolutely overselling it. I'm sorry, bud. For anybody who would might appreciate that. Uh, anyway. Definitely use a banana for scale. Yeah. I mean, fuck. I guess we can cut it here. We, we'll, we'll talk. Yeah. No, more like a plantain. Uh, <laughs> or a, a lagoon. Or a cashew. Uh, we can... Uh, we uh, it's honestly, really just an oversized clitoris. We can we can talk about this a little bit more, Corey. But maybe what we'll, your oversized clitoris? Yeah, and we'll talk more about that next week. Observative. <laughs> no, observative <what I> <laughs> podcast. What I was going to say it's before you, oh, before oh, you so before you so ridiculously interrupted me was we can talk about this possibly releasing a second show this weekend if you're available. Um, you know what. Uh, Saturday, I'm going up to Frankenmuth. I'm bringing the fam up there to go to Browner's. Um, so that's a maybe. Maybe Sunday morning, I have C. I have a uh, CJ's uh, Christmas concert. Your uh, imagine Trump, it's something Sunday afternoon or something. Your Trump supporting son. My Trump supporting son, who's an anti-masker, anti-vaccine. Uh, what was the other things that we said? I, I don't know, but he's uh, he's basically QAnon. You got a QAnon he kid. Is. Yeah. Anyway. Just a little teaser. We may do another show because we literally were only able to cover one topic tonight, and we had a lot of shit to talk about. So, Corey, and yeah, I no, that was it. interesting. We might drop a second one this week, so stay tuned. And meanwhile, tell the people where they can find us. Observative Podcast is found at all social media podcast platforms. Our website is observativeshow.com. We can be found at Observative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Instagram and Twitter at Pod. You can find our transcripts at LibservativePodcast.wordpress.com. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast, and you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Subscribe today. I don't know why every time I start to read that, I want to read it like I'm doing the weather, <laughs> but it's just, it just, it just calls to me like that, I guess. I hear you. Sorry. I was just uh, fixing some shit on the description. Uh, anyway. He's been Corey yeah. Walsh. <laughs> just erasing all of the descriptions. Yeah, Twitter. Twitter. Erasing the whole thing. He's been Corey Walsh. And he's been Dan Griffin. This has been Libservative. And we're just two intellectual idiots fostering political and cultural literacy. And until next time, we are out of here. We the people cannot end that.